Good morning, friends. Thank you for indulging me with uh, um, these worms and compost. That is, uh, it's wonderful to see people in there. Um, and by the way, those little um, cloud things, <clears throat> they have a little bit of, uh, uh, what's the word, styrofoam in the middle, which will not hurt the worms. They will eat around it. Um, they are not fooled. But today I brought with me some show and tell, in addition to the worms. I brought with me something arguably more important for the world than my beloved worms. Something that without this simple thing, all terrestrial life on this planet would cease to exist. The UN estimates that we have between 60 to 100 years left before it is effectively used up, and yet no one is talking about it. Any ideas? Close. We've got plenty of water, though it's not evenly distributed. Topsoil. Topsoil, 60 to 100 years left of topsoil. Yes, actual topsoil, not the stuff you buy in a bag from Home Depot. But the, I, I went to the woods in a state park and went off the trail and dug under the leaves and found actual topsoil. Don't tell the government. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry if you're watching government. Uh, <laughs> but this stuff. 45% minerals, 25% air, 25% water, 5% organic matter, has untold numbers of microorganisms and little critters too small for you to see. It is a tiny universe unto itself. When the European settlers first arrived here, uh, the, the land in Pennsylvania had, in some places, up to 12 feet of topsoil that had accumulated over millions of years. Uh, now we are lucky if you can find places where it's six inches. And in most of our farmlands, it's completely non-existent. You see, it because a single inch of this stuff can take about 500 years to develop. 500 years, that is 500 years of fallen leaves, of dying animals, of mountain erosion, and countless generations of worms, millipedes, centipedes, and pill bugs, and all of that. Today's life is built upon centuries and centuries of seemingly unremarkable deaths, and there is something immensely sacred about that to me. Unfortunately, in our pursuit of productivity, of uh, profit, of continual growth, we have ignored the deep wisdom of the earth, and in so doing, we are sowing the seeds of our own destruction. But this isn't the first time that we've been here. Unlike things like climate change, this is not a modern problem. We have actually done this before. Uh, do you all remember that old story from uh, uh, Exodus? where they get to the promised land and they send in uh, spies into the land and the people come back and they go, my goodness, Moses, it is literally flowing with milk and honey. There are giants in the land. The fruit and the grapes the size of your head, it is just the most fertile land we have ever seen. It is unbelievable. It's amazing. We can't wait to go there. And have you ever read that passage and thought to yourself, wait a sec, I've seen pictures of Israel. 
Israel is 75% desert. What were they talking about? Well, it used to be that. It really, honest to God, used to be an amazingly incredible fertile land until the Romans came around. Because you see, when the Hebrew people settled the land, God gave them very specific instructions about how they were to live on that land, how they were to be with the soil. They were told that they had to, the edges of all of their fields, they had to leave space for bushes and for weeds, if you can imagine such a thing, as homes for the birds and the critters and the bugs, because this is their land as well. They were instructed to harvest only what they needed and to leave portions of, of their farmlands unharvested for the poor, for the needy, and for the animals that share their land. Every seven years, as we read in our passage today, they were instructed to not plant a single thing, to just live off of what the land produced on its own. You know, what little bits of wheat and whatnot had fallen to the ground that you didn't harvest that accidentally grew up afterwards. Live off of that for a full year and stop taxing the soil. Every seven years, the soil got a break. Can you imagine? And God did this because health and rest are more important and more uh, intrinsic to nature than profit margins. The land was a gift from God, and God commanded the people in so many places throughout the Torah that if they did not care for the land, if they polluted the land, if they poisoned the land, the land would literally spit them out. There's a wonderful passage, one of my favorite little fun facts in, in all of these laws, which if you're following along with us as we're doing the reading through the Bible in a year, and you're like slogging your way through Leviticus, there is just this wonderful passage where it's giving directions to the Israelites about how how they are to conduct war, specifically sieges. And sieges are where you, uh, you park your, your army around a city and you starve them out, basically, where they can't get supplies in and out. You typically like scorch the earth and you just wait for them to give up or just starve to death inside. And in this passage, terrifyingly, God's like, yes, go ahead, do that thing. Do that horrifying way of destroying a city. You are at war with those people. Feel free to kill as many as you want. However, don't you dare cut down their fruit trees. Because you're at war with people, not with nature. <laughs> I love that passage. Because it is just, we don't talk enough about how concerned God was in uh, telling the Israelites how to live in harmony with nature. At one with the earth itself. And when they followed these laws, these, these laws that are baked in to life itself, the slow wisdom of the soil, they thrived and their land thrived. Even when there was uh, famine in the land, even when it didn't rain for a long time, there was enough topsoil, enough in there that, that, that the, the moisture that existed was enough to take them through dry years. And all that changed when the Romans came. Um, roughly 40 BC or so, uh, because the Romans had iron plows 
The Romans had iron axes and the Romans came and they turned the soil faster and they used the entire fields and they planted monocultural crops because they just wanted wheat to make bread to give to their soldiers. Um, if you were a Roman citizen, you got 80 pounds of, of flour every month for free. One of the perks of being a Roman citizen. But where did that come from? It came from Northern Africa and it came from the Middle East. It came from these places that were farmed um, as if they were resources to be extracted, not a land to live with. Um, they cut down entire forests to make more space for grazing and for farmlands. And the resulting erosion and the, uh, the acidification of the soil, the salinification of the soil, like got all full of salt, just the desert began encroaching and encroaching and encroaching. And within a couple of centuries, the millennia of microorganisms that had created this, this amazing soil were completely dead and gone. Within a century or two, thousands of years of topsoil of slow growth were dead and gone. God instructed the people to respect the soil and to enter into a partnership with the thousands of generations that had given their bodies to it. And the Romans saw the earth as a resource to exploit in order to fuel their war machines and their ambitions and their continual growth and their continual uh, exploitative uh, way of moving through the world. They had no sense of deep earthen mystery of long time. The Romans felt entitled to the world, seizing the world like like a toddler seizes uh, Halloween candy. Does this sound familiar to you at all? Um, their national symbol was the eagle. I don't know if that helps you to make any connections. Uh, they are the reason why Northern Africa and the Middle East is mostly desert now, when before it was the most fertile lands in the area. And today, millions of farmers are beginning to wake up to the ancient wisdom of no-till farming, of cultivating diverse microbiome, of slowly allowing death to accumulate in the soil. But our obsessively consumeristic society is not helping the cause. Because it's not just about farmers doing bad things to the soil. It is a soul problem. It is a heart problem. It is a problem of who we are and how we move through the world. We are the soil and we have forgotten the ancient wisdom of the slow time, the necessary death and the seemingly unproductive time that creates topsoil. That kind of slow, unproductive death feels very un-American, doesn't it? We are driven by progress, by growth, by productivity, not by rest and compost. There is no room for slow time in hustle culture. There is no room for slow time in hustle culture. But what has hustle culture gotten us anyway, other than heart disease and mass extinctions and the highest level of depression in human history? We're not meant for this, friends. We are not designed to run like machines. We are part of the earth and its rhythms are our rhythms. So what does that mean for us? 
What does that mean for our hearts, for our souls, for our beings, for our persons, not just the land, but us as humans? How do we live out the ancient wisdom of the soil in our modern times? Well, I would say first, give space to rest. Just like that Sabbath year that the earth was given. Just like the Sabbath day that you are commanded to take. Take a break. Rest now. Die to your expectations of productivity and allow space for simple rest. And I have to clarify the difference here that when I say Sabbath rest, it is not the same thing as checking out. Because as much as I love to simply check out at the end of a long day, to scroll through social media mindlessly, to turn on um, some show on Netflix that will continue to play after the episode is done and I don't have to think about it and I can just sit there and take it in and not have to think anymore, that is not rest. That is not soul rest. That is the equivalent of of farmers putting chemical fertilizer on the fields to make it through another season. It is depleting your topsoil. True rest, Sabbath rest for you, soul replenishing rest is going to look different than it is for me. So I'm not going to tell you how to do it. As, as an introvert, it does not usually include going out to big social events. But I know for some of you, everyone just looked at Nicole for some reason. Uh, <laughs> My extrovert wife, um, oftentimes that does mean that. Um, for me, Sabbath rest is creating something, um, putting my heart and soul into uh, music, into writing, into building, into um, putting my hands in the soil and cre being an agent of life. That's Sabbath rest for me. As much as I love to check out playing video games, that is not Sabbath rest. Find ways to truly and meaningfully rest and rejuvenate your soul as well as your body. But this is also, mm, can seem like a luxury for people who are able to take a day off because there's plenty of folks who have to work two or three jobs just to make it. And the idea of then having, being like, all right, well, Sunday, you're not going to do a single thing. Isn't that great? They would look at you in the face and be like, I literally will not be able to eat if I don't work every single day. So this is a good reminder to give space to all of those who add to the soil because Sabbath is a communal action. And there is a justice component to this because we, our society is not built around Sabbath. And so it gives no space for that and it takes it away from some people. And so you who have the ability to take time off, I wonder if you could help those who don't to give them Sabbath moments, to offer yourself to people as, uh, I don't know, uh, childcare, as making good meals for somebody, of inviting somebody out on an evening to be like, hey, I wanna buy you tickets to this show. Can you come out with me? Because I know this will be good for your soul. Be the Sabbath for someone else when it is hard for them to do it for themselves. And finally, give space to the earth. Practically, practice a less wasteful and consumptive lifestyle. Reconnect to the soil. Plant a garden. Buy some worms. 
Watch the slow cycles of life and death. Reconnect you with the rest of the world. Get rid of this myth that you are separate from the rest of the world. You are a part of it, and the more you connect to it, the more your cycles will sync up with the cycles of the cosmos. Theo recently found, after school, a grub, like a beetle grub underground, because it's winter, and they're overwintering right now, and they're slowly eating things from the soil and from the roots, and they're slowly growing so they can grow into a beetle that's gonna fly in your face in the summertime. And he picked it up, and he wanted to bring it home. And so now we have a Tupperware full of dirt and dried leaves and uh, steel-cut oatmeal and a single grub in our kitchen. And it doesn't move much, but it is alive. And there is something, there's a sort of confidence in its slow growth that has been a really good reminder of the power of rest. So friends, in all that you do, may you know the wisdom and goodness and truth that lies beneath your feet in the soil. And may you leave this world a better place for the next generation than the one that you inherited.